not going to treat my uncle like a bomb-diffusing robot. Jerry, the cousin Jeffrey's in a Parks Department production of the Mercado. I want you to come see it with me. Open the package, Leo. Okay. Secondary character. Hello, folks. Hello. Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This is a podcast about the greatest sitcom of all time, Seinfeld, and uh, we talk about the secondary characters from a random episode of that show every single week. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And this week we are doing Season 8's The Package, Stephen, uh, an episode which I've watched at least four times in the last week. Um, and the first time I felt like it wasn't that good, but then I watched it a couple more times and it really grew on me. I watched it four times as well. I watched it the first time maybe three weeks ago yeah uh and then i've watched it three times over the last two days and <laughs> wow. it started as a dud and it is still a dud it's I still think a it, dud okay. I, th- I still think it's pretty much a dud with a couple of little yucks yeah here and there, okay fair enough mostly a dud yeah fair enough i think it was um a really fast-paced episode a lot of stuff happened you know it was really crazy i mean because it is a season eight episode and usually they're pretty dense yeah a lot of moving of parts what, yeah a lot of moving parts definitely if you want to say hello to us and see how we're doing or if you want to request an episode send us an email bidwabasspodcast at gmail.com you can find us on social media uh, all those handles are in the show notes and uh, we're on patreon steve yeah we are so if you want to support us you can give as little as a dollar a month and uh, for any patrons who subscribe for more than two dollars a month they get access to episodes a week early as well as uh, access to our fortnightly bonus content um, and we are also on PayPal so if you want to make a one-off donation um, if you think we're worthy of your hard-earned bucks <laughs> you can hopefully hopefully yeah uh, and you don't want to commit to a monthly donation you can sling us a dollar or however much you <laughs> think is uh, worthy to our PayPal. The links to those are in our show notes as well. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, whether you are a first-time listener, you know, if you've just subscribed or uh, you've listened to us since day one or anything in between, thank you for your support. And uh, we're really glad that we're getting a huge upsurge in uh, downloads and listeners and stuff, Steve. It's been really great. Yeah, no, things have been going really well. Yeah, really good. And thank you for the support. All right, before we do get into the episode, as we always do, we talk about Seinfeld-isms. So uh, any... Things that have happened Seinfeld related in our lives. Um, I don't have any myself this week, but I have a fan Seinfeldism that someone uh, gave into us or mm. gave us. So, uh, what's your Seinfeldism first? Uh, well, I've got two. Uh, so it's been about two weeks since we recorded. The first one happened just the last Sunday. I was watching the, I would say, classic '90s film, Sliding Doors. Oh yeah, with Gwyneth Paltrow. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If yeah. only I could turn back time by Aqua. Oh yeah, if only I could. Great song, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. It was quite a departure from Aqua's usual pop. I think you know, it's the only song pop stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the only song of theirs that's actually held up with any sort of integrity. Yeah, definitely. It was just a really stripped down yeah. you know, song. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's just a so contemporary radical. adult pop song as opposed to a bubblegum dance, <laughs> pop, Euro, Euro dance song. dance, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and in the episode, I can't remember the line, but they mentioned Seinfeld. So that was a nice little surprise. It's a British movie, but yeah, they mentioned yeah. Seinfeld, which was cool. Well, I guess during that time, when did that movie come out? 97, 98? It was 98. Yeah, well, there you go. Seinfeld was nearing the end but and it was Seinfeld's, still pretty popular. Seinfeld's never been big in the UK. My sister lived there for 10 years yeah. and she struggled to find... She's a massive Seinfeld fan like us. And most of what we do when we see each other is just quote Seinfeld and a couple of other shows we love. <laughs> yeah. And she struggled to find fans. Did Gwyneth Paltrow play an American or was she a British? Uh, she was Brit. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, everyone was a Brit. Oh, sorry. The 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 woman that um, spoilers if you haven't seen Sliding Doors. <laughs> Twenty year old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you yeah, don't. You don't sorry. want to. Um, the 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 guy that cheats on Gwyneth Paltrow, his like uh, mistress, I guess, is an American, but every other actor is British and it's set in London. Cool. Or they play British people. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that was cool. Um, and the second one is my friend Michael, who lives in Brisbane. He's notorious amongst our friendship group um, for always having to take shits <laughs> and pisses at the most inconvenient times. <laughs> And very fre- very frequently as well. Oh wow! Does he have like a bladder problem or something? No, he's just got a very active digestive system. He oh just, wow! Yeah. So sometimes you know, like a thing I do when I go back up to Brisbane to to visit family and stuff is we always try and get a, a day trip in. You know, like we'll always drive to the Gold Coast or something like that, or up to the mountains for a hike. And it's a thing with him. He takes a sip of a coffee and all of a sudden just activates his bowels. Wow! And he just needs to shit. And it's not a case of, oh, I need to crap, but I can wait 10 minutes. It's like- It's like, I got to go now or else it's going to go all over the car. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if there was a visual inside his body, it would be, you know, red lights and alarms and people swinging down fire poles of like, you know, we need to shit. Oh my God. I need to evacuate my bowels very quickly. It goes goes from zero to a hundred very quickly. Wow. Wow. And uh, he said that he's going to make an app um, that's basically the Yelp of of toilets. Oh, right. So that for people (laughs) like him with uh, very- um, temperamental bladders and 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 bum holes. Um, always know you know where the closest facilities are. And what a great sa- start! We're talking about bum holes and shit and Why not? all that stuff. Why not? <laughs> um, and obviously that's something that George I think would get behind. So I Absolutely. thought it's not yeah. directly related to Seinfeld, but I thought it's it's too uh, too relatable for George to yeah. not be counted as a Seinfeldism. Yeah, he George also could definitely associate with it. I think so. Yeah. And uh, I think he also, my friend Michael also mentioned that um, he wouldn't just include like official facilities. He'd also include like good public pissing spots. Because, you know, sometimes you're like, there's no toilet, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, or I can't wait to get to a loo. I just need to pee somewhere discreet. Yes. Um, Some spots aren't ideal, but sometimes you find a really good spot and you're like, if I'm ever in this location again and I need to pee, I'm definitely coming back here. Okay, great. So, like, little Yelp notes as well. And then George is there with a copy of Glamour magazine, uh (laughs) you know, doing his thing. Yeah. (laughs) She caught me. (laughs) So, they're my Seinfeldisms. Oh, excellent. Very good. Um, Yeah, like I mentioned before, I don't have my own Seinfeldism, but I have one from uh, our Patreon subscriber and big fan of this podcast. Her name's Holly. She's all the way from Canada. So, hey, Holly, uh, thanks for your support as always. Uh, She sent us this Seinfeldism a couple of weeks ago. Um, She has set up, uh, I think she set up a new Wi-Fi network at her house, and uh, she's named her uh, Wi-Fi network as Elan Bennis. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I'm a big fan of puns and wordplay. Yes. And her uh, password is my Wi-Fi has an inner ear infection. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Very good, Holly. Very good. That's that's a good one. Yeah, excellent. Let's move on to Seinfeld News. Uh, We've got three things. I've got three things to talk about this week. Yes. Uh, First one is John O'Hurley, who plays Peterman. He is a well-known conservative in uh, Hollywood circles and uh, one of not many conservatives, at least publicly. And uh, he's given his two cents about... Uh, recent comments by Deborah Messing and Eric McCormack, who play uh, Will and Grace in the show. Will and Grace. Will and Grace, that's yeah. it. And Deborah Messing is also an alumni of Seinfeld as well. Yeah, we that's right. We talked about her in an episode before. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, John O'Hurley is a, is a public Trump supporter, which, again, in Hollywood is not uh, a popular stance, I guess. Yeah. 
And uh, well, not popular publicly anyway. Not popular, popular publicly. Yeah. And uh, on September seventeen, Trump, if he doesn't cancel it, will attend a fundraiser in Beverly Hills, and uh, the and he's going to be dressed in Jay Peterman. Is that <laughs> what it is? Yeah. Yeah. No. So Messing and McCormack have said on their Twitter um, that. Hollywood supporters of Trump should be called out and basically shamed and blacklisted out of no, Hollywood. That's, that's not nice. No, no, no. And also for donators at the fundraiser to be doxxed, which is, I mean, you you know, you can disagree with Trump politically. You can say that his supporters are whatever you want, but to call them to be doxxed is pretty harsh. That is pretty harsh as I mean, well. That, that, I crosses, mean, that crosses a line. And I mean, it's a free country in America and also Australia. I mean, if you're a conservative, you're a conservative, you know, yeah. as long as... You know, people get together and, you know, talk about the ideas without, you know, criticizing or calling names and stuff. Just bring your points forward and try and find a middle ground. Yeah. That's what they used to do in the old days before yeah. all this social media. So, yeah. Yeah. And O'Hurley being a pretty passionate Republican, um, he got on the blower, I guess, and, and defended himself. And he said, and I quote, I think they have the bully pulpit right now to say it out loud. I don't think it permeates Hollywood to the degree that you think it is, that being uh, liberalism mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to conservatism. Conservatism. He went on to say that I think there is a nature among liberal thinkers to form packs, to form groups, whereas the conservative mind is basically an individual and they're tougher and they're tougher to find, which I would disagree with philosophically, but yeah. that's another conversation. Well, half of the voting public voted for Trump, so Yeah, but the yeah. idea that conservative minds are individual minds is just oh. it's it's a self deception. Well, I'm who knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get into it because I'm sure we have conservative uh, listeners yeah. as well. No, but so. that's fine. <laughs> um uh just don't let um Deborah Messing and Eric McCormack, know that you're a conservative listener of Bible Basque. Yeah. They might call you out. They might call you out. They might dox you. Yeah. Yeah. But and whatever it, your preference is, you know, we're all here to enjoy Seinfeld. Yeah, that's so. what we're all here for. That's, yeah, that's the, fine. you know, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> the, uni- the universal binding yeah. of Seinfeld. <laughs> Worlds are colliding. That's it. Liberal and conservative under the one podcast banner. True. If we can unite the world, then, you know, we've done more than just talk about secondary characters. That's right. We've healed the world's wounds. <laughs> uh, he also went on to say that he actually relishes the opportunity, sort of to your point before, um, to discuss differences of thought with fellow actors. You have to. And uh, he said that he had many discussions with Michael Richards, who's on the opposite end of the political and philosophical spectrum. Yeah, he, I'm surprised. He's quite liberal, Michael Richards. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, you know, on set they had some debates and lively conversations, but they always respectfully disagreed. Yeah. And they understood that they had different positions, and that's okay. You can disagree passionately, vehemently. You can try and convince the others, but you, you can't call them out to be doxxed or just blacklisted because they have a different position to you. Of course, that's wrong. Yeah, and so, that kind of just reinforces everything and, and nothing works out. Mm, it actually gets worse. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yep. Cool. Uh, the second bit of news is that it's uh, Larry David's been announced to narrate the audiobook version of a popular children's tale, interestingly titled, Fuck, Now There Are Two Of You. Fuck, uh, now there's two of you. Yeah. There's Hansel and Gretel, and uh, they went to the woman's house, you know, the gingerbread house. Was it one of those kind of things? Uh, it's, well, it's actually the latest <laughs> in an ongoing series um, called Go the Fuck to Sleep, and it's authored by a guy named Adam Mansback. I don't know anything more about it. Okay. Um, other than the first 
uh, book in the series, which is Go the Fuck to Sleep. Yeah. Was um, <laughs> Go, the fuck to sleep. Go the Fuck to Sleep. And, and that's a children's book. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and it's about an annoyed parent desperately trying to get their kid to go to bed, which I'm sure is a universal struggle for young parents. Oh, definitely. And the first edition, well, the first version was actually narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. So the sequel coming out, <laughs> fuck now, there are two of you who will be. Uh, by Larry David. By, yeah, Can being you narrated imagine by Samuel Jackson doing a children's book about that? It's like, come yeah. on, motherfucker, go to yeah. sleep. <laughs> You motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, my God. And I Larry think, David as well, who loves dropping the F-bomb, you know, yeah, I think, as well. I think, wow. Perfect, yeah, perfect narration guests. They got really abrasive, you know, celebrities to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think good. they're very well picked. Yeah. Well um, and the third bit of news is an article sent to us by Jeff, who yes, I mentioned before. Our super fan. Yeah. And it's not news per se, but it was an interesting article. And there's always been an ongoing sort of friendly rival- rivalry between Friends and Seinfeld. But there has been a massive uptick in articles talking about which, you know, which sitcom holds up better. Yeah, it's even gone it, as far as CNN now. Yeah. Even so, CNN's getting in on it. That's right. Yeah. So the article that Jeff did send us was the CNN article. And the author basically states without any. Uh, you know, any sort of concession to Friends that Friends is shit and Seinfeld is great. And he lists the many reasons and Jeff said he was keen for our take on it. Yeah. And I read through the article before and I agree with it wholeheartedly. I mean, Friends is, you watch it now and it's just low-hanging fruit. No. It's just, yep. it's it's garbage. Yeah. It's, it's mostly trash. It mostly yep. relies on stereotypes. There's a lot of homophobic and transphobic bullshit in there. Yeah. And it's well, just- Well, there's some in Seinfeld too. Sure. But, I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that Seinfeld is innocent of no, that. No. But it was but, just a sign of the times. Yeah. yeah but it's, yeah. it's unintelligent, it's dumb, yeah. and it's just, it's an unrealistic portrayal of 20-something struggling with mm-hmm. sex and relationships and identity. Yeah. And I just think it's, I just think it's fucking garbage. Well, yeah, I, I haven't I seen always, Friends for a long time, so yeah, I don't really remember. I always have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So- Fair enough. Yeah. That's but, my take. I think Friends is garbage and Seinfeld okay. rules. Fair take. Yeah, I know there's always that, you know, Seinfeld friends rivalry, but Mm. for me, I mean, Seinfeld, the jokes and the humor is, you know, it was just so pioneering. Obviously, we've mentioned that several times. Yeah. And even though a lot of the scenarios these days wouldn't work in 2019, like, for example, the movie where they're all trying to find each other without cell phones, obviously, these days, you know, that wouldn't happen. But even just like the way that it's delivered by the actors and everything like that, and just the story, it's just really hilarious. And we can all relate to it. Yeah. You know, I know it's a show about nothing, but a lot of stuff that happens is just the minutiae of life. Well, the article points out that as you get older, you realize that the nothing, as quoted by Seinfeld or as described by Seinfeld, it is something. Well, it's it's nothing in terms of is this important in the long term? Am I going to be on my deathbed and remember, you know, all these little things day to day? But from the point of view of day-to-day, it's everything. Yeah. It's life. So, Hmm. you know, ironically, the nothing is not nothing, even though it is also nothing, (laughs) depending on- Yeah, I'm getting confused now. (laughs) Yeah. Depending on, you know, uh, the prism in which you view it through, nothing can be everything or it can just be nothing. Yeah. But some people as well, they like Seinfeld and Friends as well. But, you know, you can like both. Yeah. And like, I'm I'm pretty opinionated. So, when I say that I think Friends is a flaming hot pile of shit- (laughs) That's my take on it. So if you like it, cool, more power to you. Yeah. Um, I probably like a bunch of stuff that other people think are flaming hot piles of shit. Yeah. But I think, yeah, in terms of who wins, there's no competition. Okay. You know, I, there's not one fucking Friends podcast at all. Nothing. Oh, really? You nope, sure? Nothing. Not yet. <laughs> are you going to well, start one? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's called the Flaming Pile of Shit podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, thanks, Jeff, for sending that article. And yeah, yeah it's very interesting it. that it's uh, reaching the mainstream media as well in the United States. Yeah. You know, it's quite a contentious subject in the year 2019. 
So, it is, but yeah. it's always been a friendly, friendly rivalry. So to speak, yes. Yeah. Anyway, th- so that's all the Seinfeld news. It is. Very good, mate. And uh, we'll have a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about The Package. That's Season 8, Episode 5. And uh, I've got a few secondary characters today, Stephen. I have Dr. Berg, who's Elaine's first doctor. Uh, then there's Dr. Stern. No, is Dr. Stern the first one or Dr. No, Berg? Dr. Berg is the first. Dr. Stern is the second. That's right, yes. And, Dr. and then Dr. Resnick, Resnick is, is Leo's the, doctor. Yes. Yes. And then there's also the country doctor, but he doesn't have a name. That's right. I, I think it was just called country doctor. Yeah. And then I have notes on uh, Sheila, the photography or the uh, one-hour photo lady, uh, as well as Ron, her uh, co-worker, and also the mailman who uh, tries to deliver the package to Jerry with no success. Yeah, his name's Danny. Danny. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Julia's like, Danny. Danny. Hello. Hello. That's right. Yeah, perfect. So we'll talk about them. Do you have any notes on other secondaries today? No, that's it. Cool. And uh, yeah, we've got some episode trivia. We've got a bit of fan mail later on. Got a nice email that came in during the week, and uh, we'll read that later. And uh, yeah, this is But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, and we'll be right back. Hello. We're not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. We are talking about The Package this week. It is Season 8, Episode 5, so just a very short synopsis. Uh, I have been reading out long synopses of episodes, but, you know, we've decided some of them just so long-winded. So I'm just going to read you just a couple of sentences. Yeah, I think. Because obviously you've probably watched the episode, so I don't need to explain it to you. And uh, Yeah, yeah. I think if you're listening to a podcast that focuses mostly on the secondary characters, you would be aware of the episode yeah we had a big think about this for a while and uh yeah we thought yeah we better probably reduce it somewhat so we'll just reduce the synopsis to yep. yeah a few sentences and, and but we'll 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 preface the synopsis with a waffle for 10 minutes to make up for the time of that's the cut right. synopsis that's right we have all this time so why not <laughs> yeah yeah we'll just <laughs> we got to stick to the schedule it'll just be free thought yeah that's it <laughs> Um, so, first aired in the US, The Package, on October 17, 1996, directed by Andy Ackerman, written by Jennifer Crittenden. Uh, in this episode, Kramer tries to get a refund for Jerry's broken stereo, who he's against the idea. Uh, a mysterious package goes into the mail, but he refuses to sign it. Uh, he gets, well, Uncle Leo decides to sign it, and Jerry hears an explosion on the phone. Uh, so, it turns out it's like the oven cleaner. Was it the oven cleaner? In in the oven, that yeah, and he left the pilot light on. He left the pilot light on. Yeah, exactly. Um, George tries to get involved with a photo store lady named Sheila when she accidentally slips an enticing photo in George's pictures. Turns out it's not her, of course. Uh, he decides to send one back with the help of Kramer, but the plan backfires. And Elaine gets a rash and is barred from every doctor in New York uh, when she takes a peek at her medical chart. Yeah, easy as that. Yeah, cool. Much better. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, excellent. Cool. And at least we got a bit more time to talk about the, uh, you know, the trivia as well. For sure. Cool. Uh, I'll, that I'll, actually was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> good decision. Excellent. Us. Yes. Uh, well done, us. First bit of trivia. Yeah. Uh, in the scene where Elaine gets woken up by a phone call at, uh, you know, whatever ungodly hour in the in the evening. Yeah. Uh, it's actually Phil Hartman the who late does that Phil for Hartman. us. Yeah. Didn't he die that year? Was it ninety nine? Uh, it was ninety eight or ninety nine. Yeah. Because I, I heard the voice and I'm like, that sounds kind of familiar. He kind of sounds like Troy McClure, like yeah. a very subtle version of like Troy McClure, yep. you know? And I'm like, oh, it's Phil Hartman, of course. I don't know, just because like I heard it and I'm like, that is Phil Hartman, isn't it? Like I, before I even read anything, I'm like, that sounds like Phil Hartman. Sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah, yep. there you go. Yeah. So cool. in case you don't know who Phil Hartman is, he is probably most famously known for voicing Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz on The Simpsons. And he was also in news radio as well. He, he was in news radio. Yeah. 
and uh, he's a comedian. What well, he was a comedian actor. Yeah, and writer. he yeah. was also well known for um, being one of the best uh, cast members of SNL. Of oh, all time. yeah, he was a very illustrious, a very talented man. And for sure, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. So he was, he was, life. yeah. So unfortunately, he was murdered by his wife in 1998, and then she turned the gun on herself. So yeah. pretty tragic story, very and tragic, uh, yeah. yeah, still, still. I don't know, still makes me, I don't normally get too choked up or emotionally affected by celebrity deaths because yeah. I'm like, they're just, they're people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Phil Hartman has a special place in my heart. Absolutely. Especially because we've grown up with Troy McClure and Lionel yeah. And it was very respectable for the writers of The Simpsons to retire those characters as yeah. well because no one could replace them. No. You know. No. There's only yeah. one Troy McClure and one Lionel Hutz. That's it. And and at least it's in the classics series as well. You know, the, the golden age of The Simpsons. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's well known for that. Uh, yeah. So rest in peace, Phil. Indeed. Thank you for your work. Um. In the episode where uh, Newman, oh, sorry, I should say in this episode, Newman grills Jerry about mail fraud, it's a parody of Basic Instinct, the 1992 film. Uh, Wayne Knight was actually in that film. He interrogates Sharon Stone before she does the, uh, the exposure when she uh, spreads her legs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that that scene was transcendental for me as a kid. I was just <laughs> like, oh, my God. I think it was the first full glimpse at a vagina that yeah, I ever saw, yeah, even yeah. though it's obviously obfuscated by shadow. and Of course. You know, it's not purely pornographic but it's it's not it's more than suggesting but it's not vivid either it's yeah. somewhere in between but it doesn't Wayne Knight sweat in that one too he does I haven't, yeah I, I haven't well he flashes she flashes him and then he gets all hot and he kind of gets a bit sweaty and yeah, like all nervous yeah. like oh my god this beautiful woman is flashing her <laughs> I gotta watch that scene yeah yeah, yeah I'm sure oh, you, should, you watch the movie it's actually I mean it's it's a bit, it's a bit trashy dated, yeah um but it's actually pretty good like yeah. Michael Douglas acts well in it yeah cool it's not bad writing Sharon Stone was pretty good at the yeah, time as well. yeah she's yeah. a good actress she's always you know I mean she's Made some questionable acting choices, but yeah, yeah. you know she's had her highlights. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's a good All film. Right, I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, cool. cool. Uh, another trivia point that I have is that this is the final mention, or this episode has the final mention for uh, Jeffrey's unseen cousin Jeffrey, which we did. Oh, Leo's uh, Jerry's uh, unseen cousin Jeffrey. You what said, did I say? You said Jeffrey's unseen cousin Jeffrey. <laughs> True, I yeah, meant Jerry's yeah, yeah, unseen yeah, cousin Jeffrey. Jerry. Um, Je- Cousin Jeffrey's going to be in the Parks Department production of the Mikado. Open the package, Leo. <laughs> like how he changes his mind. He wants to blow up his uncle just so he doesn't have to go to his dumb cousin's <laughs> performance. So good. That's so pretty good. brutal. Open the package, Leo. <laughs> yes. A much larger version of your silly Jerry uh, appears in Kramer's apartment during the photo shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So, that. Yeah. Uh, so, do you think he made a bigger for silly Jerry or if it's just a continuation error? Nah, he probably made a bigger one. Yeah, because in in some episodes or later ones, Kramer's got like five Facili characters on his uh, shelf. True. So yeah, he probably thought I'd do. Maybe a the one. smaller one broke, and he decided to make a bigger one. Make a larger one. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine Kramer doing something dumb and physical in his apartment and knocking it over and breaking it. And yeah, he's like, <gasps> or not sitting on it. Like, what Frank. have I done to my little Facili boy? Yeah. And he's got to make a bigger one. You or know? not sitting on it like Frank. I'm yeah, saying, yeah. yeah, true. Um, this is the second appearance of Kramer's alias, Dr. Van Nostrand. Uh, he also appears in the episode The Nose Job, which actually we're doing next week oh, for yeah. season three. So okay. it's a complete coincidence. Uh, and he's also in season nine's The Slicer. Yep. He plays Dr. Nostrand. I like, yes. I like it when he's uh, trying to get the chart off the, the secretary and she's like, uh, in which clinic is that? And he goes, that, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> 
no, Hoffenheim Center in where, uh, in, in no, Belgium. Belgium. Where the Netherlands? Netherlands, and then and then it just smashed past <laughs> him ne- being pushed out. Yeah, by that like psychiatric <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah, sacred. I like how he sneaks uh, up on the doctor who's looking at the X-ray and he goes, "I like what you've done there. Well, yeah. That's some nice work you've done there." And the yeah. doctor's just like, "What?" Like, looks behind him and like, "What?" It's just like and a just scan. walks away. It's like an X-ray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, no. it's so good. Um, Elaine gives her middle name as Marie in the episode. Uh, however, in the Big Salad from season six, she says it's Ike. Oh. Might have been a joke. I don't yeah. know. Um, and also, uh, what was I going to say? The nipple incident from the pick, which we've done in episode four, is mentioned in this episode. Yes. Elaine says she likes the uh, she loved Kramer's work, and uh, she likes the photo so much she cropped out the nipple, and she uses it for her health card or health care card ID. No, her or health club. Health care. Health club. Health club ID. I got confused because there's yeah, health care yeah. cards here in Australia, oh, that's which right. are like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, people on you know uh, disability payments or students yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's in a health. Club ID. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Uh, the last bit of trivia I have is that I didn't pick where in the episode, um, but you apparently can see Kramer wearing the shirt that he sold to Banya in The Secretary. Oh, You know, cool. you know what yep. he's in the dressing room and Banya buys the shirt and the suit from yeah, him? Yeah, that's it. Uh, apparently Kramer's wearing it. So he either <laughs> bought it off Banya or maybe rolled him for it or bought yeah. another one or wow. it's a, continu- a continuity error. Ah, we'll just go with the former. Yeah. 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 Cool. Secondary characters. Or oh, do you have any other trivia? No, that's no? it. Excellent. Shall we start with Dr. Berg? Yes. Elaine's first doctor. Dr. Berg. Dr. Berg. Berg. Played by Richard Rote. He's appeared in the films Westworld, Heart and Souls, and The Doctors. So, Dr. Berg, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, you know, pretty uh, charismatic. Well, not charismatic, but yeah, it's just... And that's probably not the right word, is it? No, he's just a pretty straight-edge doctor, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. not charismatic. I don't know where that came from. I found him to be quite arrogant. Very, a bit arrogant as well, yeah. Even the, uh, her, um, his assistant or secretary or whatever is like, oh, the doctor will be with you in a moment. And he just walks in casually. He's like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's just got a, you know, uh, yeah, bit of an ego. Mm-hmm. Thinks he's better than others. Yeah. I think he enjoys the power of the charts. And, I think he does too. You know, and, and he think- loves manipulating people and pretending to erase stuff. And Elaine goes, "Oh, that's in pen." <laughs> you know, I, I love how I know it's a bit fan. You know, like a lot of fantasy in this, but I love how there's like the concept of like a network of medical professionals <laughs> where they rate people based on their yeah. attitude. I love that. I think it's hilarious. And it even goes as far as the American Medical Association. Yeah. It's excellent. Like you, you get make a doctor's appointment, they do like a background check and they're like, oh, in 1996, Stephen came in and, you know, he whinged about this. Let's put it on this chart. Oh. No, yeah. The rash is fine. And yeah, apparently, that, apparently yeah. they don't document ac- any actual medical history. It's just, it's just personality <laughs> just the, history, the, the, yeah, <laughs> their the behavior. De- yeah. I'm not a fan of your demeanor. What do you mean? What demeanor? Demeanor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty arrogant guy, and he's obviously in on the game as well. And you know, he he pretends to try and erase Elaine's thing to try and make her feel better. Yeah, I yeah. I, I interpreted the the charts as I mean it's common practice for uh you know if you go to a doctor for a long time and then you move to a new doctor because you move cities or change doctors for whatever reason that your history goes along with them so yeah. that there's continuity. Uh but I interpreted this sort of like almost yeah like a conspiracy of doctors yeah, yeah, like an open conspiracy. Open conspiracy. You know yeah, it's not right. it's not a conspiracy per se but it's like a yeah an open power grab or something yeah uh as almost like a meta commentary on the perceived boys club and the perceived club that is doctors you know you notice that they're all old white men or middle-aged white men so i guess it's kind of represents that too yeah i well i think that's just a coincidence i don't think they intentionally cast old white men no no you know as a commentary i think it was more just a case of 
there's always that stereotype with like doctors and lawyers and politicians in that they'll always protect their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, there's yeah. a bit of like, and same with cops. You know, I think any sort of, uh, you know, any industry that has inherent power, any organization, whatever, there's always a, you know, a cliche that they'll always look after their own. So I think it was more of a commentary just on that idea. Yeah, yeah. Rather yeah, than yeah. them being old white men. I think it's in 2019, it would definitely be interpreted that way, but yeah, I think it's yeah. just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But I just love how there's that kind of elaborate conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> and then considering, considering this was pre most digital technologies, yeah, pre social yeah. media, pre mobile phones, the ability for them to share information so rapidly mm. and so efficiently is impressive. They probably fax everything. Maybe as soon as the appointment's done, they fax it to the AMA who update their records. Yeah. You know? But how do they keep track of appointments as well? Like, it's all it's all very like, how, how are they doing this? Because, you know, Elaine has to go, you know, hours, presumably hours out of town. Yeah. And just before she's about to go into the, to the, to the um, doctor's room, he gets a phone call. And he's like, "Oh, is that right? Oh, matter of fact, they're right here, right now." And it's like, "How?" And they're like, "How? How did? Yeah. How did they find us?" And do you notice that in like in this with the city doctors, or especially well, with Doctor uh, Stern, one of the or the receptionist has like a computer or like a, oh, not a computer, but it has like all the records and the files, and you know she's able to sort them and stuff. The country doctor walks out, doesn't have a receptionist or anything. Mm. Literally, it looks like it's in the back of a barn. Yeah, and he walks out with like a little piece of paper saying Elaine Bennis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy. And so then, they're they're yeah. they're they're very well organized. I think that's the joke too. The fact yeah. that it's like a country doctor. Yeah, and then even he's in on it as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. Obviously, joke. yeah. Part of the joke is that it's so. <laughs> even if there was a conspiracy, yeah, they wouldn't yeah. be able to share information and keep on top of it so ruthlessly and so effectively. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, maybe in this day and age with the ability to share information very quickly. But I just My thought it was very strange. Would. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how are they doing this? Like, how are they passing through information? Uh, You've got to suspend your disbelief. I you know. know. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I thought Dr. Berg, yeah, definitely an arrogant doctor. Um, yeah, as soon as Elaine calls him out on his, uh, you know, being dodgy or, you know, being misleading, he just puts it on his chart. Yeah. You know, I wonder what he wrote. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think he wrote? Uh, I think he, I think she just wrote that. I think he just wrote that she called him out on fake erasing. Oh, probably. Yeah. You know, cause he, he's like, Oh, I'll just erase that for you. And she's like, it's in pen. <laughs> but you wrote it in pen. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then he's like, well, I'm going to write something on your chart. Yeah. So I think just the fact that he was called out, or caught doing something very dumb. Yeah. He's like, well, fuck you. I'm going to use my power against you. If you are a doctor, a nurse, or any other medical professional, you can be confidential or anonymous. Send us an email. I'd be <laughs> curious to see if you write things about patients in their charts. I don't think... No, no, I... not nothing like of that. Nothing meticulous. But maybe like if they get angry all the time, you know, if they're a patient in hospital, or maybe you write aggressive proceed with caution or I'm I don't sure. know maybe like a heads up to like the next nurse on shift you know in case they get angry or something I don't know do you write anything to do with demeanors or personalities you know nothing nitpicky like what we were talking about before but I yeah. just anything I'd be curious let us know yeah, yeah that would be uh interesting to know yeah definitely <laughs> no I'm just be curious sure yeah this guy's an asshole <laughs> <laughs> uh let's talk about uh Sheila Ah, Sheila, yes, played by Heather Campbell. Uh, she's appeared in Baywatch and Police Academy, the series. Apparently it was a TV show as well. There you go. <laughs> uh, Sheila, yeah, just an everyday gal. Works at the one-hour photo. Uh, I think it's a part-time job. I think she's probably, do well, probably has a side business or maybe 
she's doing some kind of education, some course. Maybe she's studying photography. Studying photography. Yeah, okay, yeah, and she's doing that for experience. I mean, she's not like a young 20-year-old. She's probably... Yeah, maybe she's... Uh, late 20s, early 30s, maybe. Yeah, maybe she wants a career change. Maybe she was doing something and she's like, oh, I want to do something a bit more... You know, maybe she was working in like a corporate environment, something that's not very creatively yeah, fulfilling. Yeah, like a secretary or a receptionist or something. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Um, and she decided to, you know, quit that yeah. and follow her passion, which was maybe photography. But she obviously needed to pay the bills. So she got a part-time job at a photography shop, Photoshop. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Photoshop, I guess. Photoshop, yeah. One hour photo. Yeah, shop. one hour yeah. Photoshop. Yeah. And, uh, Those yeah, are but, the days, weren't they? Yeah. I remember we, you know, we used to give your film to the one hour person and you literally take an hour. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. You go out and go get something to eat or, mm. you know, go shopping and then come back and it's done. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Uh, Interesting times they were. I was never flirted with by any Photoshop assistance, though. I mean, I was probably a bit too young. Yeah, I was going to say you were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a bit uh, a bit dodgy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, what are you doing here? Oh, no. <laughs> He's dead. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair Is game. this a photo of your, uh, your daughter? Uh, <laughs> yes, daughter. And my wife. <laughs> She's 15. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Exactly. Wink. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so... I think, do you think she was actually interested in George or do you think she just said yes to be polite? Because she seems like keen, but she's not like, she doesn't, George misunderstands her friendliness for flirtiness. I think she's just being nice. It seems to me like they've known each other for a while. Yeah. I believe George has probably gone to that shop many times. Yeah. And maybe they met during season seven when he was with Susan. Okay. So, you know how he's had all these opportunities, you know, because this is the season after Susan dies. Yeah. I'd imagine he went off screen sometime in season seven and maybe he was pretty keen on her, but then he's like, oh crap, I'm proposed, I'm engaged to Susan. It was mm. probably, you know, he's had in season seven all these opportunities to get with different women, but he's engaged. And then finally, you know, Susan dies, he moves on as we so know. So on his, on his list of post women, women he can try and fuck post Susan's death. It was Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Cut. Photo store chick. Sheila. Yeah. Next. May or maybe one of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Possibly. And I think after, you know, he's widowed and stuff, maybe maybe he told her about Susan to try and get her in his good books. Yeah. Maybe she said, oh, I'm a widow, my fiance died, and maybe Sheila kind of felt a bit sorry for him. Maybe Sheila's got a very empathetic personality. You know, she's got she has a lot of empathy. Maybe she kind of feels for George. Maybe she thinks, Oh, he's a widowed man. Maybe I should go out you know, if he wants to go for lunch or something, maybe I'll maybe he wants to chat. You know? Yeah. It's probably not sex. Or, you know, I don't think, I think you're right. I think, I don't think she wants to be with him for sexually or for a relationship. I think maybe just for a companionship. Okay. Maybe she thinks, oh, look, he's a widow. He's told me about his dead fiance. Maybe I'll just go and see him, you know, we'll have a chat. Uh, no, I'm going to. You don't dis- think so? No, because. Uh, I don't know. That's just my day. No, she says to Ron, oh, the little guy asked me out. Oh, that's true. The li- yeah. You know, okay. which, oh, which that, to me. That which blows to, my theory out of the water. Yeah. Though, which, it? which Jeez, yeah, to me clearly it? says that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, he asked me out on she. He asked me out on a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not like I, oh, you know, I'm going to go have a coffee with him as friends. Yeah. So yeah, I think her understanding is that George, and I don't think she was expecting it either. Probably not. She sounds slightly surprised when she mentions it to Ron. It sounds like Sheila knows George's name, but Ron doesn't know George's name. No. So what? Well, George. I don't yeah. think George has ever seen Ron. No, probably not. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think so because you know when they maybe Ron went, was new or something. Maybe yeah. yeah, or you know he's out the back processing photos, and maybe it's just the case of I mean it's not like you spend heaps of time in the Photoshop. You come, drop off your film, and bugger off. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, and maybe the times that George has come in, Ron has always just been out the back purely by coincidence. Yeah, sure. You know? Um, okay. Uh, well, yeah, and, I, always, and, I just thought that maybe like she felt sorry for him. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that she couldn't have felt sorry for him, but yeah. I don't think. I think her understanding of them potentially getting together was romantic, at least hmm. from, you know, she might not have been into George, but I think she understood. I think she thinks that that's what George th- thinks it is. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's she's nice. Yeah, I, I mean, like she, her character. She's very it's perceptive. Good. I mean, yep. she noticed George's mustard stain. Yeah, she and George does. George was very smitten yeah. with that. She's like, you noticed my mustard stain. Well, that makes sense that she's in the photography field. You know, mm. maybe she does notice all these little mm. things. She would pay attention to those small details. And George saw it as a pickup line or as an opportunity to get with her, whereas Sheila's just saying it. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. hey, you've got a mustard stain. I think she's just the sort of person who would say, oh, by the way, uh, you've got some spinach in your teeth. Yeah, you know, or your breath smells a bit like. You know, not in a rude way, but just a, hey, you probably need to know this because, yeah. you know, you got a job interview and your breath smells like someone took a shit down your throat or something like that. <laughs> what a your shit in this Michael. episode. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, couldn't find a loo. <laughs> Closest sorry. thing to a loo Steven. Was, was George's mouth. <laughs> or Stephen's mouth. Or, or my mouth. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. All those subscribers and these downloads that we've been getting, they're just going to fall now. That's it. Oh. Done. Oh, well. Oh. If people can't handle a bit of poo talk, then that's their problem. That's <laughs> their enough. poo problem. Yeah, it's their poo problem. Uh, well, yeah. Let's stop crapping on. And uh, <laughs> do you have anything else about her? No, I'll stop talking shit. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Ron. Ron, yes, he's played by Barry K. Williford. Uh, Williford, rather. Uh, he's appeared in the Larry David film Sour Grapes, uh, as well as the films Uncaged and American Gangster. Uh, you mentioned that Ron does the processing of the photos. Mm. Um, yeah, I think maybe because he's always in the back and George comes in whenever Sheila's there. He obviously probably doesn't know Ron uh, yeah. too well or probably saw him once and didn't think too much of it. Because George doesn't recognise him when... When uh, George is leaving and Ron's coming back, because Ron's just like hello, and George is like, you know, he's a bit confused because he's smiley and flirty. Yeah, but it also seems like he's like, not not only why are you acting like this, but who the hell are you? Who are you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I don't think he's ever seen Ron at all. Yeah. So uh, why do you think Ron thought that that photo of George was for him? Um, do Do you think that maybe Ron got turned on by the photo? He was processing it. And then he saw George in that pose, in the timeless art of seduction pose. Well, yeah, of course um, he did. And he, then he was like, oh, this looks pretty hot. Well, he gave him a photo back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's obviously gay. Oh, um, yeah. And <laughs> he obviously thinks George is attractive. Um, if he's not gay, my name's not Ivan. Yeah. Simple. I yeah. think I think it's a case of Ron. Ron probably thinks George comes in. I think Ron assumes that George knows that he processes the photos and that if, so, George, according to George, Sheila is the one who receives the photos and processes the photos, so therefore sees them. She's not just the receptionist who, you know, might see the photos. No, no. She does more than that. Yeah. She does more than that, but she doesn't do as much George as... She doesn't do as much as George thinks she does, because he's not aware of Ron. Yeah. So, Ron is the missing link in George's mind, but in Ron's mind, George... He thinks that George knows he does the photos. Yeah. So, you know, he assumes that George knows about him. So he's like, well, obviously this is a direct flirtation with me because he knows I'm the photo tech. So I'll slip a photo back in. Yeah, slip a photo back in I think and, see just... if he, and see if he uh, reacts. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And he's playing the game too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I think yeah. I'm just thinking about it because, you know, he very obviously flirts with George. Yeah, and definitely. Ron doesn't seem confused that George is like, who the hell are you and why are you flirting with me? I think Ron is just so infatuated with him or at least really attracted to him. 
Yeah, no, no, that's that's very much obvious. But prior prior to him running into George, he thought that George knew about him. But when George very obviously demonstrates that he doesn't know who he is, Ron's like, oh, hang on, I thought you knew who I was. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just a bit of a contradiction there. But anyway. Oh, so it would have been as if he already had the photos and he saw it. Is that what you mean? No. So we've just assumed that Ron thinks George knows about him. Yeah, But yeah. George doesn't oh, know about yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So with that assumption, Ron, when he sees him come in, oh, sorry, when he sees him leaving, he flirts with him. Thinking that, oh, George, you know, George will reciprocate this flirtation because he sent me a flirty photo. Yeah, yeah. And then George just goes, basically, who are you and why you look... Like, he's very confused. So, mm-hmm. But then Ron doesn't seem confused. He's like, hang on, I thought he knew who I was, but he very obviously doesn't. No, no. You know, it's strange. Uh, anyway, I think this is like that that point I was... That really... Uh, with um in the Milosh. Yeah. with Milosh, yeah, yeah. So, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but let, hopefully that makes sense. Let's go hypothetical. What if... Sheila processed that role of film mm. and saw George's timeless art of seduction pose yeah. or those photos. How do you think she would have reacted? Um, I think she probably would have thought that... I don't think she would have picked up that it was for her. I think she would have just thought, obviously, this is for someone, not me. And I'm just getting a sneak peek at some private photos for you know his girlfriend or his wife or someone that isn't me, whoever that is. Oh, or okay. Ron, you so know she I mean? would have thought that way. She wouldn't have seen that as a sign of flirting. No, because yeah. again, she's surprised. She's completely unaware that George has got a crush on her. Yeah. Because she says in a surprise way to Ron, oh, he, finally, he asked me out, you know, and there's been no indication up to that point that she's aware that George is into her. So... If, he, if she saw the photo of George before he asked her out, uh, I don't think she would have realized that it was for her. I think she just would have thought these Might photos are for somebody yeah. and I'm just, you know, through my job and getting a sneak peek at something that's private. Wouldn't it have been a funny uh, subplot if George assumed that Sheila saw the photos and he was being all flirty mm. and then Sheila was just trying to, like, avoid him? Yeah. And I'll be like, hmm, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine that and George thinking... You know, because he's brought into the idea of the art of seduction, you know, from Kramer's mind, her genuinely saying, like, rebuffing his flirtation and advances. I could imagine George thinking that she's playing hard to get. And that is part of the game. game. So, (laughs) the more she rebuffs him, (laughs) the harder he tries. The dance continues. Yeah. You know, but (laughs) she's just like, go away. But but he's just like, (laughs) ooh, she's playing harder to get. Yeah, yeah. I'll send her a something else do you think because with the ron george thing how you know how newman has the the pictures blown up on canvas of both of them do you think that joke would have worked in 2019 with what do you think like having a photo of ron and george in that pose and those really overt homosexual tones would have been seen as like homophobic or something do you think do you think no no? i think do you think it would have worked well you've got a very insecure and sexually repressed man like george Embracing his, dare I say, homoeroticism. You know, at least, you know, it's like accidental homoeroticism on Mm. George's part. Yeah. And also his sexuality and the fact that he's, you know, he feels insecure about his body. And Kramer's like, no, no, you're you're not chubby, you're stout. Like, Kramer's like trying to- I love how Kramer's treating him like a young girl, like a young model. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you don't- But he's not being creepy about it. He's just like, he's just like- you know, love your body and yeah, show yeah, it off yeah, if yeah, you yeah. want to. Yeah. So I think it would actually be embraced in 2019 because okay. George yeah. George is self conscious about his body. Body positivity. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and you know he's trying to, you know, short, hairy, stocky, dimwits, 
aren't your normal archetypes for masculinity or sexuality, and the fact that he was sexualized in this episode, I think would be a step in the right direction from most people's points of view. Cool. And you've also got Ron, who's, again, not your typical looking male model or someone you would see with their shirt off in a in a photo, professional no, no. photo. You know, he's a sort of a, he's almost like a bear with no hair. Uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like he's just a big cuddly That's what I was gay man. Too. Yeah. Um, but he's just not hairy. Mm. Um, again, not what you see in magazines of like, you don't see guys like Ron and like men's fitness or, you no. know, where you would normally see men without their, their clothes on. Mm. Um, yeah, so I reckon it would be embraced. Okay. I, I think it's, you know, I haven't actually thought about it, but just thinking about it now, I think it's actually like quite a, for 1996, yeah. quite woke, you know, yeah, like okay. I hate using that word, but it's like. I thought it'd be a bit controversial. No. You know, I thought it'd be taken the wrong way. No, because yeah. it's not homophobic. It's, no. it's, 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 um, you know what I mean? But, you know. No, but I don't think it could even be interpreted as homophobic. Okay. I mean, it's like. You've got a straight man embracing his sexuality and embracing his body in a positive, healthy way. And he's being mistaken for a homosexual. Yeah. By a gay man. Yeah. Hmm. To me, it's like um, the outing. It's like it it dabbles in a topic that is controversial, which is straight people being misunderstood as gay. Yeah. But it doesn't handle it in an insensitive way. No, I mean, no, that, no. That's a, I'm sure that's a real thing that happens in the world. Yeah, and the outing's one of my favorite eps. It exactly. just really hits. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So it's, a, it's like when comedians talk about sensitive topics the topic itself is inherently taboo or controversial but if it's talked about in a way that doesn't denigrate a race of people or a certain sect of society then it's that's an intelligent way and a sensitive way to do it and i think this is kind of it's really good writing i think so yeah Yeah, by jennifer yeah yeah and i don't think it was done intentionally i think it was just well this is funny like george you know there's been a big misunderstanding but accidentally it's sort of woke and positive yeah yeah, I don't know. Do you what, think? What because, do you think? Well, I think maybe because Jennifer wrote it. Mm. I think because a lady wrote it, it was yeah. probably more tasteful. True. <laughs> Quoting George Kramer to George. Yeah. You have to be tasteful. Yeah. Um, the key word here is tasteful. Tasteful. I reckon you're a, a fun guy. You're a fun so guy. I have some fun, and yeah. I love how George is a bit like. Yeah, he's like he's like, like the he's like the giddy like, like, like oh, model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think if a man wrote it, it probably would have been in bad taste. Probably. It probably would have been seen as you know offensive and stuff. But I think because it had like. Like the, the female touch. Yeah. I think it was more tasteful. Yeah, yeah, for that sure. whole thing. I think it worked. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think we're kind of hitting the nail kind of on the head. Sort of. I think we're quite. we're yeah we're we're almost saying what we're hitting the nail sideways. Yeah, trying to get it into the wall. Yeah, yeah. The nail's a bit bent, and we're like <laughs> straightening it up. To- yeah. To bang it in properly. That's it. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's Ron. I, I enjoyed his character. Yeah, he's cool. only a few scenes. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, should we take a break and we'll talk about some more nah, characters? There's just not much to say through? about the others. Let's yeah. just go all the way through. All right. Dr. Stern, played by Fort Atkinson, appeared in The X-Files and Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, he was also in the film American Beauty. I think, I think with, unlike Dr. Berg, I don't find him arrogant. I think Dr. Stern is more of a caring doctor based on his demeanor when he first meets Elaine. But I think if you go against the Mm. code, then he turns. Right. You know, he's like a two-face. Yeah. So at first he's very concerned about the rash and asks her all these questions and stuff. And then he goes, I'm just going to look at your chart. And Elaine's like, oh, you don't have to do that. And as soon as he sees that black mark, he's like, no, your rash is fine. You're good. (laughs) You'll be fine. (laughs) He just turns. Yeah. And I love how when Elaine goes back to steal the still a chart and she's in the elevator and tries to get out i love how there's like the psych ward he looks like a psych ward yeah. orderly you know with like the he's about to commit he's, he's about to commit, commit a lane. Yeah. yeah and then there's and the i love their little like stuff. they've almost got like little grins of like we've caught you yeah we've caught you yeah it's good and elaine's like oh 
she's like she's like an escaped mental patient i love that um yeah i i think yeah unlike dr berg like i said yeah he's just more uh more caring if you have a good record yep yeah yeah but as soon as you uh break the code the ama code the ama code <laughs> that's it you're out. Yeah. Dr. Resnick, uh, he's Leo's doctor, played by David Purdom, also appeared in The X-Files, as well as Fracture. Um, Dr. Resnick, Jerry mentions that he's not a good doctor. He's not in the directory. Yeah, he's not listed. He's not I don't listed. think he's actually good. I don't think he's actually good. Well, he's a quack, I suppose. I guess he, so. And unlike um, the other doctors, he's a different kind of doctor. He's more of a relaxed, easygoing kind of guy, by the looks of him. He's kind and of he knows like Uncle a, Leo really well. Yeah. Obviously, he's kind Leo's of got like a creepy vibe. vibe. He's like, okay, I'm going to get that ointment. He's kind of got this like vacant Tom Cruisey like stare because you know when she's like, "Oh, I need some ointment for my itch," and he's like, "Okay, I'll yeah, go get that. I'll go get that." You know, and he yeah. sounds he sounds sus, but yeah, he's got like this weird like. It's my nurse, creepy. Paloma. Yeah, I don't have a nurse. He has sometimes he has good things. <sighs> sometimes, he has sometimes he has bad. <laughs> Do you think that a memo came out to like all the AMA affiliated doctors saying if there's like a woman mm. <laughs> with curly dark hair in mm. the New York area who wants an ointment or complains of a rash, yep. call us immediately. <laughs> Do you think like a memo came out? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the only it's way like to mass the, communicate. Yeah, that's it. That to, At the to time. Yeah. yeah. It all got faxed to like all the doctors. One thing I was that's a bit awesome. confused about. She's like, she's like been red flagged. <laughs> One thing I was a bit confused about with Resnick. Yeah. It's suggested that she's onto Elaine. Elaine, you know, passes out and runs away. She's like, oh, I think he's onto us and runs out and leaves Leo there with the painted on eyebrows. Yeah. Yep. But he comes back and he's like, oh, I've got the ointment. Where's your nurse? So it's kind of like, did he go out to. Did he pretend to go get the ointment to call and check up on Elaine? Because he's like, I think I know what's going on here. Or did he genuinely go and get the ointment and he had no idea about Elaine? Because he comes back and he's like, oh, we're, we're, like he, it seems like he doesn't know her or her reputation at all. I don't know. Maybe it was just a problem in the writing. Because I was yeah. under the impression he knew. Like, I thought he would have got an alert saying, like mm. a red flag saying, if you get a woman... That looks like this. But if he's not listed, that's, yeah, that's sort that's of suggesting he's not he's on not the AMA. Listed. Yeah, so how would he know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a case, I think maybe it was intentional that- Maybe it was you know, made to it, like, lead, to, the way lead he you de- to believe. Yeah, the way he happen. delivers the line of, I'll just go get ointment now. Or yeah, something so like it sounds that. like he's sus. But yeah. then, no, you're right, he's not listed. Yeah, but and yeah, and yeah, also yeah, he yeah, comes yeah. back and is like, oh, I've got- I've got the ointment for you. I've got the ointment. Where is she? He's like- she left. You know, he, he, he said he was going out to get ointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what he was doing. Yeah, was, that's there was true, no, eh? Hey? So I think I think Resnick, I think Elaine overreacted and misunderstood his just weird delivery of, I'm going to go get your ointment Yeah, he's now. probably just a creepy dude. Yeah, and yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah. she's a bit, you know, she's desperate. And when people are desperate, they get a bit more paranoid and overreactive. So she's like, oh, he sounds like he's sus. So he's definitely sus. And runs away. But, mm. uh, yeah, she blew it. She blew it, yeah. And she could have got that If she'd have stuck with it a bit longer, she could have uh, gotten that bloody ointment. Yeah, no I think because she got burned twice. Yeah. I think it was probably third time. Yeah. yeah, and like, you know, like I said, the way Resnick says it makes it sound like he's onto her. That was too easy. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's just a doctor who's like, you've got a rash, I'll go get an ointment. Or no maybe problem. he called the pharmacy and he said, mm. oh, look. I want this kind of ointment. Do you have it available? Yeah. Maybe he was looking for stock. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Or maybe he asked, like, the reception, hey, can you check our cabinet? Do we have this yeah. ointment? Yeah, I don't yeah. think he was calling the AMA or nah, previous doctors. He's probably calling his receptionist or, or Definitely. The pharmacy or something. Yeah, not land misunderstood. Yeah, that's it. Uh, well, that's actually, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Resnick's the only good doctor. <laughs> yeah, the only good one, yes. The only, and, the only doctor who's not power hungry. That's it. Um, I guess I only have notes on the Malman now. Danny. 
Yeah, the only notes I have. Oh, sorry, who have uh, you got his credits? Played by Puerto Rican-born American actor Ramon Franco. He's had quite an illustrious career on TV and in film. Uh, he's appeared in the TV shows The uh, The Bridge, uh, as well as Tour of Judy, and uh, most recently he was in the latest Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in mm. Hollywood. Still haven't seen that. I still you? haven't seen it either. I've heard it's good, but it's not his best work. Mm. I, but it's still enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have some original content. Okay. They say. Yeah, I'm still yeah. going to check it out. Yeah, I'll still check it out too. Yeah, so he's in that as well. Okay. Uh, there you go. Yeah, so Danny the Mailman. Uh, I, he, I think he already knows Jerry because obviously he speaks to Leo and says, oh, what about your nephew? Yeah. I think he's always had run-ins with Jerry. Yeah. Jerry probably just doesn't like being packages re- uh, packages being received somehow. I don't yeah, think he gets many. Yeah, there seemed like a bit of tension. A bit of tension, yeah. Like Maybe. A, hang on. Why are you taking this package? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. I think D- Danny's always tried to deliver mail to him or, or mm. packages, and maybe Jerry's a bit reluctant. Because mm. by that stage, Jerry's got some profile in the comedy scene. Yeah. So, you know, and like he says, it could be anything. It could be a bomb or mm. anthrax or, mm. you know, it could be like a crazed fan sends like their pinky finger or something, you know. Maybe he's, he's a bit paranoid about that because mm. of his profile. And mm. he makes a good point about it. And, and, I, and he says and, to George, why are you bombable? Yeah. You know, what makes you bombable? <laughs> like George goes, there are a few people who would like to see me gone. He's like, more than a few. <laughs> yeah, he says more than a few. And George is like happy with that. He's like, I know. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I know. I love how he just relishes it. He's yeah. like, yeah, I know. It's yeah. true. I'm a scumbag and I'm happy with that. <laughs> and I'm happy with it, yeah. Uh, uh, hmm. The only thing I had uh, in addition to what you already said is that he seems to be very serious about mail. Oh, he does. You yeah, know, yeah, he's yeah, very, very like, serious, yeah. I've got a package. Yep. It's addressed to this person. The fact that they're not taking it is very concerning it's like they've got a package take the package why aren't they taking the package i'm going to complain about it to his uncle you know so i think he i think he likes the whole process of receive a package deliver the package sign for the package yeah when there's an anomaly when he's got a leftover package at the end of his daily run he's like it stresses him out you know yeah yeah yeah. you know there's one little thing that's not complete and he's like what (laughs) you know he can't deal with it yeah yeah uh yeah and he's obviously mates with leo as well yeah there yeah. you go. Do you reckon cool. he's mates with Leo just from being, you know, the local mailman for uh, the local 10 years mailman. or something? Yeah, probably. I wonder if he knows Newman. Well, they work at the Postal Service together. Uh, does... I think like, he works for the, um, the like, Postal Service, yeah. Does he? Yeah, pretty okay. sure. Yeah. 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 I reckon... Yeah, he probably knows I reckon Newman. he hates Newman. I reckon Newman would hate him because he likes someone who's related to Jerry. Probably. You know, just, just because he's like, well, you like Leo hmm. and therefore... I don't like you because you like someone who's Jerry's uncle, you know? Mm, Does yeah. that make sense? I love how, um, just about Uncle Leo as well, I love when Newman looks at the signed, you know, the form, mm. and I love how it's signed Uncle Leo. Yeah. Instead uncle of like Leo, Leo whatever, it's like Uncle yeah. Leo. Uncle I love Lee. how just- Uncle Leo. Just, uncle, it's like his name. It's like Newman. Newman doesn't have a first name. It's yeah. Like, and when, when Sheila gets the card. For like, someone Newman. who's She's very- like, You know, for someone who's very cunning and conniving- Yeah. Uh, the fact that he doesn't check a very basic detail, i.e., the signature on the on the uh, delivery acceptance form, yeah, is is a major oversight a for major someone oversight. who's, who's detail oriented like Newman. Definitely, but I think he was so hungry to get Jerry, like he. Yep. It, it just, probably blinded him. He oversaw mm. like little things like that. Anyone else, he would have done all the meticulous investigations. But I, yep. I believe because it was Jerry, he really wanted to nail him. He ended up doing it. He got a small victory, a small fine. Small um, fine. But yeah, that was enough for Newman to get one over Jerry for once. I did like Newman when he was interrogating Jerry, how he's like sort of like- the, I went all Shakespearean. How yeah, it's like the, like the disgruntled, sweaty cop of like, you know, so like almost like the bad cop, good cop, Jekyll and Hyde personality. You know, the cliche and like- Detective movies yeah. or whatever. Oh, where there's like, yeah, where there's yeah. like a you know, like a old cop who's like jaded and disgruntled, and he's like an alcoholic and sweaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, I'm gonna, you know, he like abuses 
uh, suspects and stuff, and Jerry's just sitting there like, I'm actually quite comfortable. I'm actually quite comfortable. Can I have a sip? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the scene where um, Newman finally names Jerry, mm. you know, with the photos, and, mm. he, and he goes all Shakespearean. He's like, finally, at last, yeah. I can expose you for the monster that you are, a monster. <laughs> and then I love how the quiet postman's like, Newman. He just yells. He only has one line. Yeah. That old guy. And he yeah. shuts Newman up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the point of his is. Point of him is he's just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he gives a shit. He's like, yeah, yeah leave me alone. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Newman's just being Newman. That's it. That um, is- and he, he was played by Bill Gratton, Newman's okay. co-worker. Yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, that's all the secondary characters. Let's have one more break and uh, we'll come back and wrap up the episode. We'll find out where the package sits in our greatest episodes of all time, if any of today's characters make our top 20, and uh, listen to mail. This doesn't look like a man who's happy with his stereo performance. Now it doesn't. Where did you get that? I think that's one of mine. Looks like you're breaking into it like an otter cracks open a clam. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm sure there's an explanation. Yes, it's called mail fraud. Ooh, how I've longed for this moment, Seinfeld. The day when I would have the proof I needed to haul you out of your cushy lair and expose you to the light of justice as the monster that you are. A monster so vile! Welcome back. This week we are doing the package. And uh, I want to know, where does it sit in the episodes that we've done so far for you? So, Stephen, out of 99 episodes we've done. Wow, we've done 99 of these. Like ninety nine straight episodes. Problems. Wow. Goodness but gracious. But the package ain't one. The package. The package ain't one. Um, number fifty one. Okay. I, look, at first, what I did mention at the start of the episode that I did didn't like it as much in the first run, but in the second and third runs, I I enjoyed it more than I thought. Okay, it was it's, a bit of a grower. It was a grower. Yeah, it grew on me. I mean, it's not a classic or anything of the sort, but yeah, I enjoyed it. it had its moments. It was nice, fast paced, and like. Most season eight episodes, season yep. nine, and yeah, no, it was it was quite funny. I, I had I had a few good chuckles. Cool. My favorite part was the uh, conspiracy with all the doctors. Yeah, yeah, it that is great. great. Uh, for me, it comes in at number ninety six. Oh, okay, yeah, quite yeah. quite low. Okay. Like I said at the start of the episode, bit of a dud. Yeah, well, did... you put the postponement as your worst episode. So yeah, yeah, there you go. A couple of duds uh, in the last couple of weeks we've done. Yeah, gonna yeah. have a couple of duds in there. Oh well. Uh, but again, uh, even the worst Seinfeld episode is better than. The best, best of episode. most of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say that. I was going to say better than the best of most other TV shows. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, still a very high standard. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. We're not we're not crapping on any of those. For no. Sure. For sure. Uh, and do any of the secondaries appear in your top whatever? No. 20, 30, 40, no, 50, 100? But I enjoyed mm-hmm. Sheila and Ron. Yeah. 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 No, they were cool. They were I, re- I reckon, just another note on Sheila and Ron, I reckon they'd be like really good friends outside of work. Yeah. They seem to have like a really out. light, easy yeah. chemistry, you know? Yeah, I'd say so too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and for me, the same. None of the secondaries appeared uh, in any of my top whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what do you reckon? Listen to mail? Sure. When you control the mail, you control information. So I got an email from a lady named Kelly. I think she's from Brisbane, I'm pretty sure. Um, she says, hey, guys, I listened to your podcast tonight. I thought it was great. Uh, and she says, for what it's worth, I've always thought that Margaret Reed, uh, she played Mary Cantati in The Baby Shower, uh, she was the standout secondary character in that episode. And uh, she also says, you both have great voices for a podcast, and uh, said in a very non-creepy way. Ah. So, there cool. you go. Very nice. So, thank you very much, Kelly. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say thank you in a creepy way, but yeah. I'll just take thank the compliment. You. 
<laughs> Thank you. This is how we'll talk from now on. Yeah, future episodes will just be me breathing very heavily. Thanks, Kelly. And Look what f- you've done. A faint sound of masturbation in the background. Look what you've done. Thank yep. you. You've no, op- but seriously, Kelly. You've opened the beast. <laughs> you have. Opened the vault. Uh, but yeah, but thanks so much, Kelly. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email, podcast at gmail.com. Find us on social media at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. If you want to donate to the podcast, your money goes towards um, recording equipment, ongoing costs, and we want to make this like a community-based show. Uh, ideally, you know, we try and avoid ads if we can, but uh, yeah, we love any donations. You can find us patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask, or we have a PayPal account. Uh, the name isn't Bidwabask for that one, but it is a different name, but uh, it is us. So don't be worried if you go there in the show notes and find it. Yep, indeed. And if you are already supporting us, we really appreciate it. Indeed. Uh, until next week, I'm Stephen. I'm Ivan. And next week we are doing The Nose Job from Season 3, and that will be our 100th episode that we have done as in Seinfeld episode yep not including our specials goodness gracious 100 Ugh. crazy and there's a, what 180 in the series so yeah got so a while to go got a while to go yeah indeed so, yeah and if ever you have an episode I mean we schedule these well in advance but if you want us to do an episode earlier I mean let us know if there's an episode we haven't done that you want us to talk about the secondary school please get in touch yeah no we've done heaps of requests so yeah. let us know if you want one absolutely Until we'll see next, you next week see ya The timeless art of seduction.